Since the dawn of time, mankind has searched for ways to shelter themselves from the elements. Over the centuries, these shelters have evolved from bamboo huts to concrete towers. The last few years, there's been a push to save the planet. Are you ready to embark on a more sustainable lifestyle? Look no further. You're about to enter the adventures of container home living. And now, contractor, radio and TV personality, and your host for Boxcar Universe, Steve Dubell. Hi, I'm Steve Dubell, host of Boxcar Universe, along with my co-host, Mel Alva. And here's what's coming up on this week's edition of Boxcar Universe. Joe Steggs is here with us from Mythic Sound Lighting and Shade with the latest info on home automation. Joe can bring your home into the 21st century. Also with us later in the show, Carl Faust from IMS Builder is going to be with us. They are our choice for container home living. Carl will give us an update on the Family Promise Project and the temporary excessive heat container homes known here in Phoenix as X-Wing that his company is building for our community's homeless during this unprecedented heat wave. All that and more on this week's edition of Boxcar Universe, your home for containers, sustainable lifestyle living. And uh, Mel, how are you doing today and how are you handling this heat? I'm doing great. It's uh, the humidity that's a problem, really. Oh, it's the monsoon humidity. It is. You know? No girl likes humidity. No, it's just, you know, Colin, I know, doesn't like humidity. It'll affect him. <laughs> It'll affect him. And then we'll have a strange, strange things happen on this My hair show. looks like a lion's mane, you know, once that comes <laughs> comes about. But uh, it's interesting, the monsoon living in a high rise, but, yes, you know. And we were talking about that on our previous show, uh, talking a little bit about with Amber Sullins on the uh, proverbial haboobs that roll through Phoenix. And for those of you out there in uh, in our listenership that uh, don't know what that is, living in the in the Valley of the Sun, you know, we have these tremendous dust storms and uh, they call them haboobs, which is, you know, when I first heard it, I'm like, what? You know, but um, they roll in um, and, you know, a lot of times you you just can't see. So that's some of the things that we have to deal with here, you know, along with excessive heat. August is usually a little more sticky than uh, July. But, uh, you know, I think uh, based on, you know, when they say, I think they said that uh, the monsoon season ends at the end of November, September 30th. So we got about a month and a half left of this, you know, wonderful stickiness. As long as it did get up to 119 again, I think I'll be okay. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's Arizona. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, I used to say that when I used to go through North Carolina, you know, wait five minutes, the weather will change. But that happens here in Arizona, especially in the evening when these monsoon storms roll through. And they are just, you know, some, and it doesn't rain everywhere because there's, they're like storms that are just in the different parts of the valley. But when it comes down, you get, you get hammered. I mean, my, my client up in, uh, up in the desert mountain area, they got hammered the other night. There was just like puddles everywhere and the, the washes were even running. So it's pretty, pretty amazing, but we've got a great show planned for you today. We're going to be talking with Joe Steggs 
from Mythic Sound Lighting and Shade. And uh, one of the things that uh, is, I think, growing in leaps and bounds, and it just it's just the way our technology is progressing when it comes to homes, not just container homes, but regular homes, is the, the home automation, people wanting to be able to do more from their phones and control different things, you know. Uh, so I think that's going to be something that we're going to be able to help all our listeners about. So we want to welcome back into the show, Joe Stiggs. Joe, how you been? Great to see you again. Great to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, um, you know, for our listeners who maybe didn't catch you when you were on the show last time, tell our listeners a little bit about um, who you are, what you do, um, and maybe even that uh, that bad decal on that old Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'll tell you, these days, I feel like I add a new uh, line of business every month. It might be easier to say what we don't do. Everything is okay. <laughs> getting so connected these days. We handle everything from garage door openers to full home sound systems to theater rooms to just um, acoustic treatment in uh, in living rooms that looks like wallpaper to eliminate echo. So we kind of run the full gamut of every part of the house is connected. Uh, it's a little bit weird in a new home build situation. It used to be the AV guys kind of came in right before drywall, ran a few wires, and then showed up at the end to plug in speakers. We're almost completely involved right from the blueprint drafting stage with the architects specking out lighting fixture placement all the way to the very end of like putting the the kind of the keys to the car proverbially in the client's hand of how to run their house. So it's a very involved process these days. Yeah. So it basically uh, you need a tech manual, right? Ah, that's where we come in, Steve. Hopefully, <laughs> if we did our job right, hopefully not, man. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, you know, you need, well, you, obviously, somebody who wants all that type of automation, um, they're either up to speed on it or they need to get up to speed on it. And that's something that, you know, you can help with your clients. Yeah, and what's kind of interesting is these days our our kind of end goal is not the tech-savvy client. So very few people who, you know, work with us are up and up on the latest and greatest and like to tinker. It's the people who like to tinker and play with their systems that kind of tend to do the more DIY solutions like Alexa and, you know, the Amazon and Google products because they don't mind rebooting and changing. And it's like buying an old sports car that you want to work on in the garage every day. Um, when you deal with a professional company doing this, it's more of a set, forget, and I want a result and one button press to get there that I don't have to think about an articulated process. I'm just intuitively existing in the environment. It kind of caters to me. Yeah. I mean, and it, it just makes life so much easier. You know, we're going back 20 years, you know, when you think about it, um, I re I remember, I remember when I built my custom home back in 07 and, uh, the company that I was working with, I got to be good friends with them. And, um, you know, he was telling me, oh yeah, but you know, you, well, you have to decide whether you want cable or if you, you know, you know, or if you, when you're going to run the wires and that's one thing I did, I went up and ran, you know, all the wires going to all the rooms and stuff because mm -hmm. it was, I mean, it's just something I wanted to save some money on. And I did is tell me what you want and I'll get it done. And, um, you get it all done. And he says, well, you know, th there's going to be a lot more streaming. So you may want not want to have cable. And I'm like thinking streaming, are you kidding me? <laughs> streaming now to say that nowadays, it's like, who wants the cable? Why can't I watch this on streaming? It just has completely changed 
the technology has completely changed around and it's just uh it's just amazing because you know i look for things now i want to find that stream i just why do i need cable everything's wireless mm -hmm. what difference does it make you know so it, it's, it's it's a common request just to delete the coax cables off of our pre-wires these days it's, really yeah it's just what do you use it for? I'm I'm doing my own gut remodel right now, mm -hmm. and I've cut all the coax out of the rafters except for the one line going to my modem because I want to have one good dedicated line. I don't want the interference from the other ones, and there'll never be a cable box or a direct TV box in my house. It'll all be streaming or um, hardwired sources. Really? Wow. I wonder how that changes things for the cable companies. You know, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> Um, man, what was the company? I think it was Linksys. Uh, one of them actually, most of their business is in, uh, it might not be Linksys, most of their business is actually in cable boxes for Cox Communications and for Comcast. And they've been having some crazy shareholder meetings because they're known as a, a router company, but most of their business is actually cable boxes and they're predicting like a 40% dip or something crazy like that I could, I could in imagine. their hardware production. Holy cow. Yeah, it's like, and then I could see the other end of that too is whereas I've seen little, like little small creep, creep ups in price with the different selected streaming services mm -hmm. like Hulu. Hulu went up not too long ago. I remember there was an increase there. Um, Netflix is having one right now. Oh, you know, it's, you know and it's just like they, they can't price themselves out of that strategic market that they said that, oh, well, you know, we could give you so much more for so much less than a cable company. Otherwise, you know, um, but then on the other hand, you got Roku turning around and you could either, you know, subscribe separately, which is what I did originally when I got it. And then all of a sudden, if you want to subscribe to those other premium channels, you could do it through Roku. And I'm like, okay, so everybody's pushing the streaming aspect of it. And there's stuff on, there's stuff on those channels that, you, you know, you can't see on regular cable stations so i think uh, it's it's more of a certain shows are more of a niche market 100 percent, and it's interesting there's actually some conspiracy theories out there of when netflix first started even their original content you could see user ratings and you could actually check view count and you'll notice none of that data is there and there's there's a lot of interesting theories going hey are as many people watching this as we think there are or is this them trying to influence shareholder pricing so oh. there's even that end of it of like how many people are utilizing all these specialized contents and how many are just watching the same shows they watch on broadcast duplicated on streaming and basically it's a glorified on demand service really yeah so yeah it's it, it's very strange but uh you know the one thing that i've seen on there you know you've got so much that you can control from your house mm -hmm. through your phone i mean in think about that if you if, is it something that is obviously it works otherwise it wouldn't be doing it and you wouldn't be so successful doing it but is it is it is it like overkill do you think where is god forbid if somebody loses their phone and they put so much rely rely so much on their phone to do so much they lose their phone is it going to be a like a an oh my god moment i i would think so um are you saying the home automation end yeah because if you rely so much on it to change you know to control so much in your home and then you lose your phone you know, I think that's a big thing. We we call IoT devices like your Nest thermostats and your Echo Bees and your Sonos and your Alexas and your Googles, all the kind of like consumer mass market stuff. 
it's 100% phone driven. When you get more into actual automation where it's taking all that and putting it in one interface, we usually will have multiple points of access set up. So when I put a Savant light switch in, that light switch will actually control the fireplaces and the shades and start and stop music. I'll put volume controls on it and that's all over the home network. So even if your internet coming into the house is down, your network, if we put a good network in, should still be up and you can control everything in the house even if the Cox line is down. Um, if you lose your phone, there should be multiple ways to control everything. You lose a lot of that autonomy with the more IoT solutions when you get into full-fledged automation it shouldn't be relying on one device. Yeah, well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. It's where you can access it if yeah, if with electric does go, especially during the summer with all, all the the drain that's putting on the grid. Mm -hmm. Have you uh, have you read up on flexible load management at all and flexible load shedding? No. So big push with us right now is uh, through Savant. We actually put in smart breakers. And they call it a breaker companion module. So if you have a 20 amp circuit or a 60 amp or whatever, we actually will duplicate that in the same, you know, Siemens or QO or whatever module the electricians want to use. And Savant, the breaker that's in the house, loops down to the Savant breaker for control. And that ties in with the battery backup system for the house, with the solar panel, with the generator, with all that. And so when you do get a storm and have a power outage, you can actually have if then statements set up. So when your you know your backup power gets down to seventy percent, it will flexibly shed the loads that are non-critical, and you can have multiple contingencies set up for how much you want to last through a storm. So the automation these days will actually predict storms coming in and overcharge the batteries to be prepped for it. You can almost go fully off grid where you can charge the batteries overnight and set up enough kilowatt hours of storage to keep your home from pulling any power from the grid and use your solar to power the house during the night and the day. Um, it's a big thing I'm going to be moving my personal house to is getting my wife and myself an EV. And uh, man, as a small business owner in my Raptor, I'm putting, you know, 1500 a month in the tank some months with uh, the amount of driving we do and then her sure. gas bill putting those with EVs and then having free power through solar and the ability to store that power overnight in a battery backup, um, it, it, that would net almost a, a $2,800 a month savings for my house just by having solar taking care of my fuel bills and all of that. And then having a system that factors in the usage of the house, provides metadata through AI to actually track how I use it and predict how much storage I need and do the storage for me with no manual work as an end user is, is where I see a lot of the future heading with automation. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing that you'd be able to, to do that. Is that something that the, I mean, obviously you understand all this. Is it something that the average homeowner would be able to grasp all the science and everything for that? Or would they just look at it and say, Oh, I'm going to save money doing this and, um, I and think that's it. There's a couple couple different factors. So cost reliance, economy to scale, we're a bit there yet that for the average user that it's it's value driven. Um, as more of these battery storage systems are produced and more of the solarks and the the inverters to kind of direct everything, uh, over time those costs will be a very advantageous thing. And with what we're seeing in Europe, where some businesses are closing because they now have a three thousand dollar you know a month power bill, there's going to be more of a cost on the power off the grid and you know, there's going to be less cost on the, the components as they're more mass produced. The other thing is for me is the reliance part. We, you know, we live in the desert. We don't have natural resources here other than the sun. So not being reliant on the government to, uh, you know, take care of yourself, your family, your air conditioning. If we ever had a mass 
blackout or brownout in the middle of the summer, I'd, I'd like to have my AC still running. Um, and solar and battery backups gives you the ability to do that. So I think outside of just the cost, there's that benefit. And then the other side of it is if you are into the environmental side, it is much cleaner energy and, you know, a, a better way to live and keep the earth sustainable and, and that end of it. So no matter what your kind of line of thinking is, I think there's a lot of, lot of reasons to look that way. And as far as the technical end, it's, it's took me a long time to learn this and, uh, there's a lot of technical sides to it. I think most clients don't really want to get into how the sausage is made. They mostly care about the end result of being able to keep their home off grid being able to uh, reduce their power bill, especially if they look at the more full lifestyle of the, the EVs being added in. So the, the value add there. And then thirdly, the environmental factors is the, the driver for most of the clients we're working with on these systems. Yeah, I, th I think that's important. Again, I still always believe that no matter what part of the home that you're talking about, an educated homeowner is, is the kind of homeowner that you'd like to deal with because- hundred percent. It's just easier to work with because it, if they don't understand what you're doing, then it, it sometimes, I mean, Mel, you can attest if the homeowner doesn't understand what you're planning and doing, it's going to be, it's going to cause, it's going to cause communication problems. Oh, absolutely. But, um, you know, I think too, it's, it's like the design is not done until it's fully done. And I know your pieces and components going in and, Hey, is this going to be put here? And I know we're working on a uh, well, it's going to be several projects together, but um, I just want to say, Joe, you do a great job in your well, your office you. and your showroom and everything that the setup that you have. My clients are super happy. So. I, mean, I just love his double, I call it his 007 walls <laughs> where everything is hidden in the wall oh. and you can't even tell. Totally. And, some, and, and those pieces of artwork that yeah, I still love the art. Oh, the artwork's <laughs> just really great. The speaker art. Yes, the speaker I'm art. I'm waiting for mine to come in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. Oh, special photography. Okay, I get that. I want to see that, Joe, when it's finished. Okay. Well, you know, he's doing um, uh, one of our, our clients. I can say our clients now. Um, they are next to their fireplace. It's going to be really interesting. Um he uh, is going to be doing some custom art that's covering speakers, and it's a different concept of than just right putting them in the ceiling. So that's that's going to be their surround sound, and then you can talk about it. But apparently, there's some fancy uh, TV <laughs> mount that goes uh, by a press of a button, and then it comes down over the mantle. And I'm like, holy cow! All right, this uh, all is right, great. I love this. <laughs> So shameless plug, check out our Facebook and uh, like and follow us there. But we do have a, um, a a video of the mantle mount on there. It's a it's a product we carry, and there's automated and manual versions. So it basically, if you have a TV over the fireplace and you you know you're a designer who doesn't want two different focal points in the living room, gives the ability for the TV to swing out from the wall and then drop down to a reasonable viewing height. So it it keeps the designer, the AV guy, and the, and the client happy all all together. <laughs> well, I love that too. So then you're not stuck with your head like front row you know, with the movies, yeah, right? Well, yeah, looking up and well, you know, the sense. one thing that always that I was always uh, I always remember from the uh, last time you were here when we were talking about it that I know I think Mel had said that the one thing that she liked was the fact that you you all when you design things you don't just design to have it work properly and and you take in account 
how it's going to look and what you just described it's perfect because you know when you want to see when mo wants to see the fireplace it, you could see it but if you want to have the tv you swing it in so it's like the best of both worlds which i think is a great way to plan and i'm actually really excited about this project we're doing together mel she was uh very helpful in helping design the artwork and the frames so it's kind of cool we're actually doing the woodworking in-house and then we work with a local vendor that actually uses a high resolution dye on acoustically transparent fabric, which is like just a fancy way of saying we have really cool looking artwork that looks great to the eye, but the speakers can go behind it and be hidden. And that's what we'll have for the speakers in the client's room. And um, the speakers that we designed in, um, most speakers have what we call a very narrow dispersion pattern. So you have to get multiple of them in front of you so that there's not like gaps in the sound in layman's terms. These were able to actually do the uh, no center channel in the fireplace. So we just have a left and a right speaker, but they fire out wide enough that uh, the client won't be able to tell a perceivable difference with the, the design. So we can keep it very clean behind the two hanging pieces of artwork. The rear speakers are in the ceiling, and we actually cut the subwoofer in under the stairs in the back. So no visible view of speakers in the room, but it will... The sound quality effect will rival a lot of really high-end systems with big box speakers on the floor that that really kind of kill the design vibe of the place. Well, it sounds pretty incredible. I definitely want to see that when that's all oh, done. Oh, yeah. I can't wait that's for the after pictures. <laughs> oh, for there sure. you go. All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to uh, talk to Joe a little bit about, you know, what... Uh, what has been in the news a lot, everybody is talking about AI. What does it mean and what is it uh, for us looking into the future uh, for the things that we want to do in life and how is it going to affect our lives? So Joe's got some comments about that, but I want everybody to stay tuned right here on Boxcar Universe. with Alva Interiors and co-host of Boxcar Universe. As a professional interior designer with over 22 years experience, I'm excited to bring my knowledge to the Boxcar Universe show. As a full-service interior design studio, we see your designs from the conceptual phase through to the styling and furnishing of your home. At Alva Interiors, our team approaches every design project with a fashion-meets-design sense to execute timeless interiors, style that makes a statement. You can find us on the web at alvainteriorsaz.com, on Facebook at alvainteriorsaz, and on Instagram at alvainteriors. Hi, I'm Steve Dubell from Ideal Home Improvement. The uncertainty of our economy is very troublesome. Interest rates are rising and inflation is high. The utility cost of energy is forever rising. The good thing is that we as homeowners can do something about our energy bill right now and in the future. Solar energy is literally the best investment you can make at this moment and the most likely to steady your finances through uncertain times. Think about this. If you could have locked down the cost of your energy bill 10 years ago, would you have done it? I think your answer would be yes. Think of the savings you could be enjoying right now as your neighbors who don't have solar are at the mercy of the utility companies. Let Ideal Home Improvement review your energy bill and see what a solar system on your home can do for your family and budget. Just give us a call at 
332-6203 or email us at steve at idealhomeimprovementaz.com. Let me help you start saving today. We are back and you're listening to Boxcar Universe and we are speaking with Joe Steggs, owner of Mythic Sound Lighting and Shade. And as as uh, as the train keeps rolling along here, you know, guys, it's it's almost Labor Day. I can't I, I just can't believe that we're, you know, a week or so out of Labor Day and it's going to be September already. It's going to be amazing. And then it, I'm sure that. Uh, you know, well, this is the, the time we have to put out, we have to put out the alert to all the listeners to make sure that they contact you, Joe, because they have to get ready. If they, if they haven't already, they have to get ready. It's football season right around the corner here. <laughs> you know, we're going to be watching football and why not have it on that 136 inch screen that's in your showroom. I love it. Well, I feel so bad. Now mine was a little one. It was only 103 <laughs> inches, but uh, no, it, it's just amazing. The technology nowadays. And then it's like, I had to go out and get rid of one of the t- TV that I had for uh, from years ago that I've had since 07. And it worked fine till all of a sudden it started to have a mind of its own and it started shutting off whenever it wanted to. And I'm in the middle of watching something. And I'm like, finally, I just said enough's enough. I went out and got a new one and you and I talked about that. I found one and it's amazing. I can, this other one, there was no way I could, I could move this thing by myself. This one, I picked it up. You can carry it by yourself. You set it right on the stand. I mean, it doesn't have to be wall mounted. And I just put it on the stand and it's, it's so much lighter and it's so much clearer. Oh my God. It's technology in, in clarity was just unbelievable. I mean, I watched some of the shows that I watched before on the old TV and I'm like, how did I miss this? You know, when, years ago, you thought that that was, that was the PS, the resistance where, oh my God, this is really good, but it's gotten so much better. You almost can reach into the screen. It's that clear. It's pretty amazing. I don't, I don't know. I got to say something, though. The clear the clear screens, and then you see the stars on TV, you're like, damn, you're not as cute as you once were. <laughs> oh, so you're not Photoshopped. Right, oh, yeah. okay. Wow, look at all that makeup. Oh, my, my God. My favorite is like when they overdo the makeup for broadcast TV, and if you're on a good TV, like they have like pink eyeliner on to like yeah. accentuate, and you're like, what is happening? I know. <laughs> Anyway, you know, uh, we want to talk a little bit about, you know, Joe, we want to get your take on all this talk about AI and, um, I, I, you know, I don't know, you see this stuff on TV and, you know, I, I keep thinking about, oh my God, AI, is this the beginning of what we experience when we watch the Terminator? You know, I mean, where do you see this technology going? Oh man, that's a... Uh... That's a deep question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in short tier answer, yes, this is the start of Terminator. But uh, right, okay. Skynet is real. Um, I think that there's good things and bad things about it. So I think there's going to be some adjustment. Like we've been telling people, hey, you know, the truck drivers are going to get phased out and they need to go learn to code. And now AI, you can type prompts in and it can flawlessly already in its infancy come up with incredible coding based off of basic prompts. 
So it's interesting that we've taken one field that we said automation is going to replace, directed those people to another field, and AI is now going to replace a lot of those very briefly. So I think there's going to be a huge disruption in the tech industry specifically because of the um, lesser error rate of coming up with this complex back-end coding and the algorithms and the if-then statements that will have a, a vast ripple effect. On the fun side, and the not terrifying losing thousands and thousands of jobs instantly, is some really cool features that are already live today. Like there are certain cameras that have AI built in that can be kept private on your network so they're not going out to the cloud and sharing your information. But if you're walking up to your front door, they'll use facial recognition. So if you have an armful of groceries, they will unlock and pop open the door for you as you walk up to the house. Um, if you are, you know, blessed enough to have a gate to your driveway, which uh, I don't have one of those, would be cool though. Um, it can actually have a rear-facing camera that detects your license plate, and you don't have to click a button to open your gate. It'll just open for you and automatically turn the lights in your house on, unlock the front door, and have kind of roll out the red carpet as you uh, enter your, you know, your palace with a gate in the front. <laughs> I think that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you see some of these things on TV, it it's like. You know, I, I don't know, just in the, in this, in this, where we are in our lifetimes. Okay. You go back and, uh, not just talking about, you know, you know, Hollywood movies and Terminator and stuff like that, but some of the old things that they used to do way back in the day when they were doing early science fiction and they used to turn around and they know, well, I have a robot. It does this or does that. And, um, you think about that, that's actually becoming a reality now, much like a lot of other stuff we've experienced in the last 50 some years. And at an accelerated rate. I think that's, yes. that's something that's not talked about enough is it's not so much that stuff is going to change that drastically. It's just the pace of, in, of um, innovation is going to accelerate uh, very, very, very quickly in a way that we're not expecting because walls that used to take us maybe generations to break through are going to be broken through in minutes because you can have millions of computers all working together to do it simultaneously with all that processing power versus a room full of people who have to communicate and figure out the best options. It's it, And they need to sleep and eat and use the restroom. And you have a computer that can just be up 24-7. And you can have millions of the computers network together all doing it at once. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how quickly innovation occurs. And I think as a society, we're going to have an adjustment period. Um, but I think in the end, it'll be way better. We're just going to have to get through some bumps in the meantime of like what our definitions of a job is, how we interact with each other, how we do things. I mean, have you heard the analogy of just what will happen with automated driving and the ripple effect? No, but I can imagine what, you know, what I could see could be coming down the pike, especially when we'll talk about tech stuff. What about, what about that first flying car? Right. It got tested. I'm like, okay, so I could see it now. We have enough problems out on the road with people having accidents. How in the world are they going to ever control that? <laughs> I mean, it's like the Jetsons on steroids. So think about it this way. If we have automated driving, right? And let's say that I'm not a small business owner and I'm an office worker. And, you know, I have my car drive me downtown to my job. I no longer need that car to be parked at the office all day. I can put that car into like Uber mode and it can drive around and make me passive income while I'm in the office all day, which essentially replaces buses, taxis, and parking garages, which leaves more room for building and innovation. And so it's not just the ripple effect of like transportation and trucking. It's all these other sub-industries like 
parking garages, security garages, yeah. attendance, and all these things that are all affected. Not to mention how many people won't need to own cars because if you're fortunate enough to have a car in Uber mode, walking around making money for you all day, why would I need to pay for a car and car insurance and all those things when right. there's tens of thousands of you know automated Ubers out there of other people who want to own a car? So does that mean my car, if I have one, is going to have to look like a Waymo car? Ah, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> I hope not. I'm not going to totally fit one of those. I take the Waymo car if I could just have somebody drive me around all day because then right? I could get so much work done. I guess the question is, what, what, would, would you guys feel comfortable in, in, in a car like that where it's, it's self, self-driving? I've taken Waymo. <laughs> you take a Waymo? I have, yeah. You, oh, yeah? yeah How'd that, you feel yeah. about it? It was very weird at first, yeah. but um, there is somebody that will come on the speaker. Like, if if you're not getting out of the car in time when it's time to get out. And they don't pull into certain places. So, like, they'll pull off to a certain side of the road, at least in our area. Really? Yeah. But That's... I feel like it does kind of stop a little faster. Like, it's, it's not as smooth, I think, as yeah. a human driving, but... Well, it was pretty interesting. We had to try it. I have to work on that. <laughs> yeah. And in a vacuum, no, I'd rather drive myself. But then when I think about it, would I rather have everyone in an automated car? Would I rather have, you know, thousands of drivers staring at their cell phone while I'm trying to drive? And if, if you look at it in that context of like the lesser of two evils, I'd probably take everyone being automated over everyone. Well, Joe, I mean, not only texting, but like drinking and driving. Like, yeah. could you yeah. imagine the lives that would be saved? Like, it's, it's insane. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. So you know, I, I guess technology has its its good side that we all strive to get to. But then, you know, there are certain things that are are downside of it. But does the good outweighs the bad? Then we just have to figure out how to make the bad good, so that it's, it the whole situation is 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 a win for everybody. But I like your idea about that. You know, having having it make money for you while you're at work. I mean, that's that's pretty exciting. Well, I got to say, you talked about face recognition and taking the boys to Cancun and coming back. You know, you go through customs and you've always had to have your passports out and show your passports. And I was telling the kids, make sure we're all together. Stay together. Um, and, you know, Luke is always the kid that wants to go ahead of everybody and just, you know, he's not a little bit of a troublemaker. Okay. Um, sorry, Luke. I love you, son. But uh, anyway, he was ahead of the crowd and I was like, hey, stay with us. And sure enough, um, we didn't have to show our passports at all. Wow. They recognized, I guess there's some kind of a face recognition as you're walking up. By the way, last year, it wasn't like that. When I went to Paris and came back, I had to physically show my passport. Now, this trip... Uh, coming in through customs, we didn't have to show our passports at all. It had all the information. It recognized our face. I I was really tripping out. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I went to Thailand like three years ago with my wife for, oh, man, five years ago, getting old, for our 10-year anniversary, and we flew through uh, China. And it, one of the, the scariest parts of it is you actually, in our connecting flight to go through the airport and customs, you just scan your passport and then put your face in a facial scanner because they're keeping track of that and scan your fingerprint to just pass through the airport. Oh, and once goodness. you're there, it's not like you can get back on the plane and fly back to the U.S. If you're not comfortable with it, you're kind of you're kind of on a conveyor belt. You got to get through and oh, yeah, wow. and it's uh, the the whole facial recognition and capture data and like the implications on rights to privacy and 
autonomy are fascinating about what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Um, and, and, you know, along with the AI thing, um, one of the reasons I really don't like uh, devices by bigger corporations in your house that, um, you know, play audio or have microphones that you talk to. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. say names because I don't know what to It's actually in their subcontracts that they are looking for keywords to retarget advertising for you. So the reason all these devices are so cheap versus like real automation project products have a cost is they're reselling your metadata um, to advertisers that is personalized, targeted, and redirected. So I'll put it this way. I have no, in my house, uh, I have no electronics that um, are made by a Fortune 500 company that have a microphone built in that I'm supposed to talk to. There's uh, There are some competitive products that we offer that store all your data on a local server, but um, they have a cost associated with them because they're not reselling your data to advertisers. And that's why the point of entry is so low for these is data capture, data mining will be a legal ground for the next 20 years. That is a hard thing to communicate and talk about and get public awareness around. But it's a very serious invasion of privacy that we're all welcoming into our homes. Um, did you guys hear about the the fiasco Burger King got into a few years ago in the Super Bowl? They actually, I don't know, but I'm freaking out right yeah, now. <laughs> okay. They actually had a, a Super Bowl spot. I think it was Super Bowl, but it was something that was a very like high viewership thing. And they had a black screen come up and then it just said, hey, Alexa, tell us about the new Whopper. And then, so the screen stayed black, and then it just played an Alexa commercial at everyone's house. They had a trigger in there for it. And so you just think about the ability of corporations to, like, know what you're typing, know what you're searching for, retarget ads that are based, like, directly to you. That's kind of the future of advertising, and it's much more subliminal than the adverts we're used to, which is a commercial played in our face, where we at least have the honesty that it is an advertisement where um, – a lot of the free apps on your iPhone or Android are targeted so that whatever you're interested in, those are also selling that metadata back to retarget ads at you. Um, I think I've seen that happen. Everyone know, but a Whopper sounds really good right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so scary. Oh, my God. Joe, tell our listeners how they could contact you. Um, yeah. So you could go to mythic mythicsls.com, like Mythic Sound Lighting and Shade. Um, definitely check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or call the office at 602-329-4252. We, uh, for a company company of millennials, we're actually pretty old school and love to actually talk to clients and work on designs together. Wait a minute. I hear it. Was that a combination of old school millennials? You know, I'm an elder millennial, I sir. like to say <laughs> that. I mean, I was like, okay, just trying to think. An old school Colin? No, that would never work. <laughs> <laughs> There's this sweet spot for millennials, Steve, where we can make eye contact and use technology, and it's they call us the elder millennials. Oh, it's that yeah. little pocket And here I thought, you know, when they came up with the new technology coming back, when they, all of a sudden I see the, the, the company starting to make flip phones again, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, it sounds like another Star Trek series coming up here with new flip phones, you know. So, But, uh, Joe, thanks so much for being here today. We really appreciate it. And for all our listeners, make sure you could um, – Contact Joe on his website. Also, you could find us on boxcaruniverse.com, a direct link to his website. So uh, please make sure you check it out because um, he does some pretty incredible work and he's right on top of w down the pike what's coming up in the 21st century. So we've got a lot of great things to look forward to. Thanks for the time, guys. Great. All right. Joe Steggs with us. 
We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be speaking with our second guest, Carl Faust from IMS Builder, and he's going to be here talking about the uh, container home projects for Family Promise and for the City of Phoenix for the uh, uh, homeless people that are stuck outside in this unbearable heat. So uh, I want everybody to stay tuned. We've got some great information coming your way with Carl. And don't forget, you are listening to Boxcar Universe. Stardust Building Supplies is your home improvement thrift store. Find salvaged and gently used cabinetry, doors, windows, appliances, lighting, plumbing, and much more. Save money, be green, and support the community. Shop and donate at Star Building Supplies Alley locations. For more info, visit stardustbuilding.org. Hi, I'm Sean with Mr. Electric, and I have a tip to help make your life better. One important reminder is to call a qualified electrician when you have frequent problems with blowing fuses or tripping circuit breakers. When a circuit breaker trips or a fuse blows, it's indicating that you have a problem with some other part of the circuit. If your breaker trips more than once, you should have a qualified electrician come out and take a look at it. Contrary to what may be acceptable, you really shouldn't try to continuously try to reset the breaker because there may be a problem somewhere else down the circuit and you could be causing a fire hazard. There could be a loose connection or some other form of problem on the circuit, and every time you reset the circuit breaker, it could be causing a spark at the other end. We recommend having a qualified electrician come out and check on the condition of the circuit, make sure that the circuit does not have any problems, and it could just be a bad breaker also, but you definitely want to have a qualified electrician check that out. To have someone come out from our team may only take a portion of a day, but it could potentially save you a lot of money or your life. And that's just another way Mr. Electric has the power to make your life better. All right, we are back, and you are listening to Boxcar Universe, and uh, we want to thank Joe Steggs for being with us here on Mythic Sound, Lighting, and Shade. Um, great company, working with some great people, and uh, obviously, and I know Mel wouldn't be working with him unless he was good, that's for sure. Absolutely. Because you got to pass the Mel test. Yeah. <laughs> the Mel test. <laughs> the Mel test. <laughs> No, they really are a great company, and he's a great guy. Yeah. But uh, right now, we want to talk with our good friend Carl Faust from IMS Builder, and uh, he is our uh, resident container uh, home builder. And uh, it's just, Carl, great to have you back on the show. And uh, based on some of the stuff that we've been talking about, you're, you're a busy man. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things going on right now, Steve. We have to make a couple of clones for you. Maybe maybe Joe could help us with that. Make some AI Carls. This way we can spread them out. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Wasn't there a movie about that where somebody made a clone of himself and they end up turning into some problems? I forget the name of the movie. It was a 
comedy. I'm sure there's more than one. You've been watching too much Star Trek, too. I'm sorry. I could name one from the original series that you're talking about. But anyway, we won't go over there. Not this show. But uh, Carl, great to have you back on the show. What's been happening with uh, everything that everything you're involved with? Because it's you know, you, as the year has gone by, you know, not just with the family promise. Uh, we want to hear about some of that update. You know, but uh, what else is going on in in the container home uh, life? <laughs> container home life. <laughs> container home life. Well, that's right. Do you have a life? <laughs> well, lately, I mean, it's been a lot more of uh, commercial projects. I mean, we're doing a lot with the homeless, not only with um, uh, Family Promise, which we just started the build on. So they're actually looking to break ground fairly shortly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll have you know the containers ready to go on site probably in the next three months. And, um, that's going to be really exciting just to get them out and get them there. But we're already got, we'll, we'll have rough out, um, inspections probably in the next three weeks down there in Eloy. And then you know, on top of that, we've got a large project out in, uh, San, San Luis, uh, Arizona for, it's a container park. There's, they're putting in some kitchens and, uh, it's a whole bar, everything. They've got probably, I think, I think I'm building five kitchens, six kitchens, two restrooms, uh, um, a, a double-sized bar, and a few other, few other different type, types of projects for them. Um, top of that, we've got the you know city of Phoenix that's got the big project that we're already done with. We're waiting on them to find some new property now. So in the meantime, we've, you know, we've got the containers ready. I'm actually talking to other homeless projects that might want those containers. And what I would do is I would just finish them, put them there and then rebuild the rebuild city. Them. Yeah. Rebuild yeah. the city. Phoenix. Cause we don't know when they're going to come back to us. Probably, you know, as soon as they find property, but that could be six months. We just yeah, don't know. Who knows? I know I was talking with Ted Taylor from family promise last week and he had mentioned that they hadn't started the site prep yet, but he said that was going to be happening soon. And, uh, you know, I definitely would love to get, uh, I want to talk to him a little bit about that to see if we can get a, um, uh, get some filming of that. You He'll, know, maybe a time-lapse film would be really cool. He's getting ready. I mean, I think they're, the big thing they're looking for right now is they're looking for a GC. They talked to a company called Homemade, which is, they're based, I mean, they're national, but they help out nonprofits with they're you know, a bunch of real estate people and they just help out nonprofits with certain things. And, um, they want to take over and be the, the GC on the project. And they basically pushed everything aside and, and push it through their, uh, committees. So I think that's part of the one thing that they're looking at. They've got a couple other di different GCs, but should be breaking ground. They, they submitted everything to the city pretty quickly and, um, we'll be ready to deliver the containers to them. So. Well, yeah, so that'd be good. And the site prep shouldn't be that bad. I mean, I mean, it's get, getting, are they going to do uh, footers or are you going to do slabs? Um, they're going to actually do footers on this. So yeah. we'll have a you know, small scroll, crawl space underneath and uh, there's not much plumbing in them. So it's just the ends where the restroom showers are. So it'll just be a crawl space under there. We'll have one hook up. It'll be easy to set them up. So, so yeah, that'll be, that'll be pretty cool. And that's just the one that's over on Bethany Home and 59th Avenue. Bethany Home 59th, uh, it's in a church church lot. And then I know, Ted, we've talked to, you know, I, think, I know people in Mesa. It's got people in Phoenix. I mean, a number of other churches now seeing what's going on, you know, love the concept of doing this. And they've got, they're sitting on property that is not being used. And the small footprint of a container type of project can easily fit there. So, you know, we're probably looking at, 
you know, anywhere from four to six different projects right now for Ted. Yeah. So, I mean, it just that alone, I mean, that's, you know, that's going to be, we just, depending on how fast they come, probably at least a couple of years out, right? To yeah. be able to get them all done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it depends on, you know, if they're going to be the same, what we're trying to do is set the same footprint up. So really we've already got the plans approved for the state. It'd be a simple stamp of a new plan. Um, we don't make any changes and then it basically just getting it through the city plans. So Great. now are they going to have solar at all? Um, yes, they are. They are. actually got, um, I forget the name of the solar company, but we're outfitting the roofs so they can put the solar on them. Yes. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Cause I know, I know a, a couple of other builders that actually make them, but they, they do them in the factory and then they, they don't, they're not on any, uh, like 70 degree angle to the angle towards the sun. They just lay them flat because they transport the whole thing in one, you know, in one shot and they set it up and that's it. Once the customer gets it, that's it. You know, there's, there's no company to come out and, you know, more or less adjust the panels and get all that. But that would, I would imagine with what you're doing, all that gets hooked up with the electric anyway. Yeah, it gets hooked up. And then the, the issues also like in, and it's just in the case, I think going to be of Glendale, they've got little restrictions that they don't want to see a, a, a corner. I mean, it's just, they have been <laughs> from the beginning, you know, trying to get involved in every little aspect of design, which has been a, uh, you know, kind of a, a holdup of a lot of stuff, but we're, we're moving right along with it. So we're getting there. Well, that's pretty, that's, that's good. It's, you know, it, for, along the way, it just seems like from the last time you and Ted were on together that, you know, it's, it's, it's just like everything else. The process takes time. Like say you're, you're building your containers, you're going to get those things done and they're going to be ready probably before they have the site done. Yep. We will be, you know, so, but that's okay. That's okay. You want to be there when they bring them and they, they, they crane them in on, put them on all those, on those pylons. That would be really good to be yeah. able to do that. But, uh, so they foresee that whole project. What do you think as far as a, a I mean, completion my, date, maybe by the, by December? I mean, we're hoping by then, I mean, we were hoping by Thanksgiving, but they really got to get moving. You know, it's going to be a three month process probably for them to, you know, clear the ground, put the slabs, do what they got to do, bring the utilities in and have it ready to go. Um, so, you know, the longer it takes for them to get permitting approval, which, you know, everything's been submitted, they think that's going to come right away and then have the GC kick off is really, that's the question of when it's going to go. Yeah. But, you know, we've already got, we've already got the DR approval, the state's approval. We've got all the approvals we need. So we're, we've been released to go ahead and, you know, start to build and get them ready to go. Yeah. So it's, it's really great, but, uh, it's amazing how, how, it just the city of Phoenix has started to be a little more, you know, we had our good friend on Kevin Fulkerson from Cornerstone Design. He was telling us uh, a few weeks ago that, you know, the city, as more of this container home building is going on, the city is becoming more uh, open to making changes and improving things than they used to be. Because I remember going back like two years ago, it's like the city saw a container home plan and they just didn't want to these, you know, and they <laughs> say, yeah. Hey, no, when we, we have nothing, we have no statutes or any kind of guidelines for that, but at least now they're becoming more friendly. I mean, I know I've spoken to different people all around the country that actually, uh, some veteran groups actually doing exactly what, what, uh, family promise is doing and they're doing it for the veterans. 
building mm-hmm. communities and stuff like that. So I think that's it, it is a good way to be able to help uh, not just the homeless, but our, our veterans, which I, I really don't think any veterans should be homeless. And I, unfortunately, there are some out there. We definitely agree with you there. I mean, the city of um, Tucson is a starting, you know, their whole ADU program where they're loosening some of the laws, looking at some of the, you know, way the building codes and stuff that were have been around for, you know, 30, 40 years that they just, the only reason why they can't do container homes because they can't figure out what it is. And, yeah, it's exactly you know, right. And, yeah, and like, so, what is this? So now they're starting to do some changes down there. Um, we're you know, talking to a couple different uh, places down there where they're looking to build communities and stuff like that. So I mean, there's a lot going on. It's just, everything takes time. Yeah. Everything takes time. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking more with Carl Faust and, uh, uh, some of the things that he has been doing with his container projects. And, uh, we're going to talk a little more about the, uh, X-Wing, which is that, um, uh, temporary container, homes that they're that he's building down for uh the homeless down here in central phoenix because i i know some of the areas that you're talking about they are they are really they really are sorely needed and even with the amount of ones that they have it's still not going to be enough but it's a start so i think that's yeah we'll uh, applaud the city for doing that so i want everybody to hang tight we will be right back don't go away not believe this, but smart home technology can be traced back to 1975 to the first home automation platform when the X10 was invented. In 48 years, things have come a long way. To truly have a smart home today, the homeowner needs to make a smart decision and call a premier high-tech company. That company is Mythic Sound, Lighting, and Shade. Mythic can simplify your life with home automation, home security, home theater, Lighting and shade plus outdoor and indoor home audio custom designed to fit your lifestyle. For the finest in products and services, visit their website at mythicsls.com. That's M-Y-T-H-I-C-S-L-S.com or call them today for a free consultation at 602-329-4252. That's 602-329-4252. Chances are, when it's time to call a service professional, you need someone right away. Who can you call for those electrical problems fast? The answer is Mr. Electric, a licensed, bonded, and insured company serving the Valley of the Sun since 2000. Some of their residential and commercial services include expert troubleshooting, replacing an outlet, hanging a ceiling fan, or upgrading your electric service, and much more. Rest assured, all work is guaranteed. Call today for your appointment, 480-503-1339. You can find them on the web at phoenixmetro.mrelectric.com. Remember, at Mr. Electric, we have the power to make things better. All 
right, we are back, and you're listening to Boxcar Universe, and we are here with Carl Faust from IMS Builder, and we're talking uh, container homes and uh, some of the things that Carl is doing to help the uh, Phoenix community out with some of the projects that he's doing. And uh, as I had mentioned, Family Promise is a great 401c3. Uh, and uh, they actually are uh, going to be instrumental here uh, with the start of the one that Carl was talking about in a previous segment over here on the west side of Phoenix with, uh, you know, several more. I think there are six were total, if I remember right. Um going to be happening throughout the valley as they start you know all falling in getting permits and everything like that and like i said every municipality is different so everyone is um i guess you say is a work in progress yeah <laughs> each one yeah every one of them but you know one of the things that i know a statistic that i found you know we were talking about the um temporary container homes for the city of phoenix because of this <clears throat> excessive heat by the way how have you been weathering all this heat uh not just here but down where the factory is is it is it more intense in phoenix or more intense down in uh eloy um it just depends on where you are sometimes i mean it's gonna be 110 to 112 degrees what either way it, what difference does it make uh, what difference does it make i mean ideally you know down in eloy we've got you know the guys are working you know in a in a warehouse so it's covered um it's you know not like being out in the sun you know, putting in swamp coolers and everything else to keep them working conditions okay. Um, we go we go in at five o'clock in the morning and you know leave at two thirty just so that we're not there at four o'clock at the hottest time of the day. Oh yeah, so, you know, yeah. Try to you got to you got to work around the summer in Phoenix. It's yeah, it's, it's the only way like to do it. Everything in construction has to start at the crack of dawn. I yeah. don't care what you do, painters, construction, anything. But um, the one thing that I had noticed, I mean, this is a, a statistic I found. Uh, online, and I'm going to read this to you. It says unhoused people accounted for about 40% of the 425 heat associated deaths tallied last year in Maricopa County, home to Phoenix, during its hottest summer on record. More than half of the 425 deaths occurred in July, and 80% occurred outdoors. I mean, this is this is serious. I mean, especially when you go downtown Phoenix in certain areas. Uh, I know where, for instance, where Arizona Shelter Services is off of Jefferson. And I used to use some of their services because they had an employment, a temporary employment service where they would actually go out. The people that were enrolled in the program that were staying there would actually go out and be temporary help for for different people. So when I was doing jobs years ago, when I was building my business, I used to, used to go call them and they'd send me some temporary help. If I didn't like them, they'd bring me somebody else. But when I drove back uh, past there the other day, there are so many homeless people out there on the street. Now it is, it's just, it's just, you want to talk about Joe Pio's tent city. This is like a mini tent city on the street. It's, because there are so many out there, all different colors. And I mean, it's it just, it's got to break your heart to see these people that are struggling just for the sake of having a bottle of water or, or, you know, some kind of help. So, yeah. but um, how do you see these, how do you see these uh, temporary container homes and, uh, and uh, these facilities going to be helping the areas that you're going to put them in? I know we talked a little bit about during the break, but why don't you share it with our listeners? Well, I mean, like the city of Phoenix is 
they keep on trying to do some things. Um, right now, they're in the process. We've we're we're putting together. It's that you mentioned X Wing. That's another company that's actually building the X Wing uh, container shelters that are homes. We're in and that same project, which includes three large sprung structures. Um, we're building all the restrooms, showers, bathroom units, um, a whole dog wash station for for the, for the people as well as a guard shack. I think I'm building nine different buildings for them. Um, there was a hiccup in it. They had a property and found out they couldn't get the property. So they're in a process now of, you know, scrambling to find another, um, city owns a lot of land, so it shouldn't be much of a problem, but you know, every time it's, it's just the red tape that they got to run through. Um, I think we could working together. Cause I mean, the X-Wing people have their stuff together. I've got mine, you know, I know sprung structure can put their stuff up quick. It's really just a matter of time for the city to find the property and uh and get it prepared and move on it so well, just we just have to call you just need to get on the phone and call kate gallego <laughs> the mayor and tell her to get her act in gear here because we need we need to help these people i i know i'm still I totally waiting agree for with her. you <laughs> i put a request in to have her on the show to talk about some of her green programs three months ago on earth day i'm still waiting <laughs> she must be a very busy lady it's just amazing but uh yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different uh, areas that uh, these people, you know, it just, uh, they need help. I mean, and even still, even putting these, this, this initial one together is, it's just, you know, just the tip of the iceberg when you think about it. I mean, I mean, I, I got to believe that a lot of these people that have been homeless for months can't wait for October till at least yeah. it starts cooling off again. Well, I think it, that's why, you know, there's different different places out there different uh, uh sh- shelters or or uh, nonprofits such as you know the the family promise which you know family promise is different than trying to shelter all these 50 or 500 homeless people that you're seeing down there they're more going after the families you know they're trying to actually take them to give them temporary housing and then move them into permanent housing and working with them all the way through biggest problem in, in, in homeless and housing is that they, they don't have anybody to manage it. So you can throw stuff out there, you know, quick. And then if it's, nobody's there working with them or working with the people on a daily basis, the next thing you know, it's, it's wrecked. It's, it's, it's trashed, it's trashed, you know, and you really don't have, and that's what the, they need in the programs. They need some kind of management, sort of like what Family Promise does. You know, they've got on-site 24-7 there. They help the people. They help them with, you know, finances. They help them to, you know, teach them literacy. They teach them everything else and you know, have them in a savings program so that, you know, at the end of the day, 90 days later, they're ready to move out on their own. Right, you know, and that's the biggest problem I see with the with the homeless problem we've got. I it's mean, right. I live in downtown, so you guys, I'm like in the mix of it all <laughs> every day, twenty four seven, and I will tell you that I I, I feel like there is a uh, mental health <laughs> situation in downtown, and whether these people are on <coughs> drugs or not, like. I just don't, what is the city doing to help this issue? Because when you've got people in the middle of the street, naked, talking to themselves, clearly they need help. There's a problem. You know, there's a problem. And so you can get the housing for people, but where's the help? Where are the doctors or 
you know, the facilities to put these people and rehab them for whatever that looks like, right? Um, I'm not a doctor, but by all means, you could completely see that these people need help. Um, it's it's a struggle, you know. It's it's sometimes even a little nerve wracking to leave the high rise to take the dog for a walk, and you've got random people walking down the street late at night, and you know, my son took a, the dog for a walk and somebody tried to approach him. And that that's pretty scary. I mean, could that happen anywhere? But we're noticing that it's happening more often. So I don't know what is going on if they've gotten rid of a homeless community, which I've heard that they've, they're kind of getting rid of them. The city's like, no, you can't camp out here. You've got to go. And these people are being dispersed. And it's, that's scary also. Well, yeah, they're dispersing them and they, it's like, okay, so where do we go now? You know, I mean, and it's just not just Phoenix, but it's all over the country. And it, I think because, you, like Carl, like you said, there's no, what's needed is some kind of structure to be able to, you can't keep just putting a, a, a roof over their head and, and give them a place to get out of the heat. And I mean, that's all well and good, but, but where's, if we're going to rehabilitate, get these people into the society again, to be, you know, useful and, and get their lives back together. They, they need help. And it's not just a building. They well, need- not everybody will be able to get back into the system. I mean, sometimes, you know, there are chronic homeless and then there's people that are, you know, Hey, got, they, they, they lost their job because of this or that or the other thing. And they want to get out of the homeless. They didn't, they're that, those are the people that would be easier to help in a program and have them run through than, you know, the people that just, have no desire to get out of it. So, you know, those are the, there's, there's like two sides of the homeless story, which is. Sounds like tax money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm That definitely sounds like tax money, but uh, it's just amazing. But there are uh, so many things. I mean, I, that, that just for the time that we've known each other this year um, that are, are constantly changing. Like we were talking with Joe, Stags earlier in, in the show talking about some of the things that are changing in his fields as as these the municipalities throughout the country are seeing that this is a viable way of doing things. I mean, you know, Mel and I are going to be taking a trip down to uh, Tucson, hopefully in the near future, and going to visit, you know, where they're actually utilizing shipping containers and they're called freight farms. And they're actually doing it. They're containers that are used with hydroponic gardens. So they actually can, can grow food. Now, the the uh, freight farm that's down in Tucson, when I was speaking with one of the people from the farm, I said, okay, so now that, you know, you, you're, you're growing this food. And, they, and it was just amazing when we had them on the show talking about they can actually grow 800 heads of, of lettuce in one week in a container. Okay, because there's no outside sources that are going to like uh, hinder the growth, and it's all done. There's no there's no dirt. It's all done hydroponically with water and nutrients and stuff like that. So, well, where did you? What do you do with the food that you create? Well, they take the food that they create, and they have four, two four hundred one c threes in the Tucson area that they provide food to, which is to me seems like a no brainer if you put one in Phoenix. Think about what that could do to help some of the homeless people. And we could create something in a community with the temporary housing and plus some way to 
to give them food because they're always looking for money. It would take a lot of people, I got to believe, off the street, you know, standing on street corners in 110 degrees, looking, you know, begging for money. And they'd have a way to actually, you know, eat, eat and have, and then have the shelter. And at least it would be a start. But it seems to me like one of those would be perfect in Phoenix. There, but, uh, but we've built, uh, I've built them before in the past for, <laughs> in when I was building labs for the marijuana industry. So we've built many different things. I've built grow rooms, built uh, hydroponic rooms. We've done it all. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just amazing that the, the, some of the uses that can be done for containers and the, the endless use of them. I mean, you know, I mean, look what, uh, look what our former governor did took the containers and tried to build the barrier wall. I mean, it's just like, okay, what, what else can you use those things for? Now they're, now they're trying to sell them back. And <laughs> guy called me the other day, do you want some? I'm like, no, I don't want any of those. They're, they're all beat up. <laughs> <laughs> they're still trying to sell those, huh? Well, they're giving some kind of incentive to nonprofits, but what's the nonprofit going to do? They don't know how to build it. So, I mean, they, they, well, that's true. Totally... How many, do you know how many they have to sell? I don't even have It's got to be what? It's got to be hundreds. Several hundreds. Yeah. You know, for the amount of, I don't know about how many they used in the whole, the whole line, but what they were two stacked, I think they were stacked two stories high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had to be, there had to be a lot of them. That's it. Only two stories. Two stories. <laughs> what a waste. That's 20 feet. Well, you know, if you wanted to, you could put, yeah, when I think that they, did they put them 20 feet, two stacked and did they put barbed wire on top of it? I don't remember. No, I don't remember. I but unless it, I remember somebody knocked them over with a thing and just crawled through it. It's like, okay. You know, if you don't, if you don't put them down and, 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 and put them in a foundation, they you, can push, you can push them over with something. <laughs> Uh, All you got to do is get a big forklift. <laughs> I got nothing to say about that. <laughs> okay. Carl, tell our listeners how they could contact you. I mean, and it doesn't it make a difference where you are. Um, Carl, Carl is, uh, as we call him, a man, of the, a man of the world in the container business. <laughs> well, they can always just get a hold of me through my website, uh, imsbuilder.com. Um, we've got a website there, and I've also got affordable container home no S, right. affordablecontainerhome.com. So either of those two websites, they can reach hold of me or reach out and, and call us through the through the website. That's great. And you could also uh, reach Carl through Boxcar Universe and uh, through Mel or myself. And uh, Carl, thank you so much for coming in today and great to see you again. Yeah, good to see you guys and, again. And, uh, you know, so we'll just uh, keep tabs on everything that's going on. As you know, before you know it, like we were talking last uh, you know, earlier in the show, it's, you know, Labor Day is right around the corner. And before you know, it, it's going to be fourth quarter, 2023. We waited the year ago. It's going to be cold again, though. That's what we have for it. It's going to be cold. <laughs> I'm kind of yeah. excited about that. That's right. And we were talking the other day about, oh, yeah, it it, it dropped from 115 to 107. Yeah. Um, I got to break out the sweaters. <laughs> It's getting cool, but no, thank God. You know, it'll be, you know, that's, well, then it'll be our bragging rights for the rest of the country. Cause when we're going to be outside on the weekends, barbecuing in October, November, and through the holidays, you know, the people back up in the Northeast and in the East are going to be like under like feet of snow. Yep. And it's just like it's I, worth it, Steve. You don't have to it, shovel sunshine. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's what we were totally talking about it. with Amber Sullen. She said that yeah, I'd rather shovel sunshine than shovel snow. 
So it's just, it's just amazing. But thanks again, Carl. Appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, thanks for all our listeners for listening to Boxcar Universe. And as you know, we are your source for cutting edge information on container homes and container pools. So let Mel and I help design and build your dream container home. And you could always contact us through our email address at boxcarliving at gmail.com or steve at boxcaruniverse.com. And we could be heard on pretty much any podcast player that is your favorite out on the internet. And always remember, let us containerize your lifestyle. Have a great week. You're a great American. I love you.